Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So we know that we're living in the, in the year of the plague, COVID-19. You know, it's become a, a, a desperate change. And really for all of us, it's become kind of the normal now. But we know it's a different type of year. It's, it's something that's unprecedented in the world. I don't know about you, but it's changed Amarillo. Has it changed Lubbock? You know, we walk around with these things on our faces and people are fearful to come out of their houses and, and now there's mandates that if you're caught with this, you can be fined for that or in prison for this. And now the, the, the nation that's the, the country of the free and of the brave. I don't know that it's the free and the brave anymore. We're living in a time that has been changed drastically by a plague. It's a time of great consternation or great anxiety. But when, you know one thing I love about this? You're like, brother, you love this? Is that this great plague is a great unmasking as well. Because long before COVID-19 came, long before we got millions all over the world that, that's contracted this disease, long before we've had 140-something thousand in the U.S. alone die from the disease, there's been a pandemic that's going along this whole time. There's been a pandemic in, in not only in, in all the world in America, but there's been a, a pandemic in your houses, in your families. There's a terrible pandemic that's gone under the radar as long as you've lived on this earth. And now that we see people with these masks on their face and, and we see people scared to walk outside their houses and we see ordinances on the front of doors saying, you can't enter here unless you do this. I praise God that it shows us there's issues abroad. And what I would like to do this morning is show you there's an issue that's been ignored this whole time. And the issue is not a physical one. The issue is not something you can cure with a vaccine. The issue is not something that a physical man can physically do something to solve it. The issue that we're dealing with that's pandemic in the world is a spiritual issue. And love as you try. We try to, we try to, to turn up the music louder so, so we won't hear it. Or we try to binge watch good feel movies on Netflix so we won't have to deal with it. We try to, to talk with individuals or, or, or lose ourselves in, 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 in relationships trying to ignore it. But we're living in a time in history where we can no longer ignore the physical pandemic and it's now shedding light on the spiritual pandemic. Are you with me this morning? And I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem like we're winning. We pray and we come to church and, and we worship God and, and we seek his word and, and we believe we have faith. But, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like we're winning. Sometimes it feels like things are going to get worse before they get better. Anyone feel like that this morning? Sometimes it feels like we're just not winning. But though we might have a spiritual pandemic sin, uh, saints, a spiritual pandemic of sin, a spiritual pandemic of bondage, a spiritual pandemic, amen, where there are millions of lives being lost. One person said that with every second, six people die and go straight to hell. Every second, six people, six people, six people, six people, six people 
dying and going straight to hell. The greatest pandemic that ever rocked this world. And nobody's saying nothing about it. Six people, six people, six people dying, going straight to hell. If I might say, saints, it's time that we understood that the physical is now just shadowing the spiritual. And it may not seem like we're winning, but I just believe that we serve a God that does nothing but win. Amen. I had a, I had a person call me and they were down and they, they didn't want to serve the Lord. They didn't want to read the word. They didn't want to, to get back in, in church. And then, and so I began to, to quote the, the scripture and text. Yeah, many of y'all probably do this. And as I was quoting the text, God spoke to me. He said, arm yourself to overcome. And I knew it was the Lord. You know, y'all know when God speaks. So I began texting. It's just, it, it just, it roared in my spirit. Arm yourself to overcome. I, I love that word overcoming, man. And I love that God spoke it to me. It means that there's a win somewhere in my future. Amen. And then not only, there, not only is there a win, amen, but there's a reason to win. There's something you can do, amen, to overcome. And God spoke it to me. God spoke it to my heart. He's, he roared it in my spirit. Because you see, as, as, I, as I read God's word, and many of y'all can probably test with me, as you read God's word, you, you begin to know things about God. You begin to, to find out who the Lord is. You know, I've been talking to my brother Joe this morning. He's been saved since he was 11. You probably know what I'm talking about, Joe. You've read the word over and over and over all your life. You may have read the same passage, but, but sometimes on a certain day you'll read it and something of his character bleeds through the pages. Something and all of a sudden this great mysterious one, the God of the ages, that ancient of days, amen, he begins to just uh, define himself to your spirit. Don't ever say you can't know God. Because if you know his word, you're going to know his character, amen. It reveals him who he is to our heart, to our spirit. And you know what? And, and I found out many things about his word. It, it says that he's a patient God. Amen. His word says that he's kind, that he's love, that he's merciful. The word says that he's all powerful. Amen. It shows that he's all knowing. Hallelujah. But I'll tell you what, there's one characteristic about God's presence, about, about who he is that shouts. Amen. From, from Genesis to Revelations about who God is. Are y'all with me today? If there's something that shouts it out to my spirit, Yes, he's a loving God. Yes, he's patient. Yes, he's kind. But God Almighty, hallelujah, all omniscient, all omnipotent, that he likes to win. Amen. You see, from Genesis to Revelations, there's a string of adversaries that lying in the dust in the wake of Almighty God. Because God is a winner. He never loses. That same God, amen, that laid waste, hallelujah, to, 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 to the rise up and with Satan and his and his fallen angels. That same God that laid waste Sodom and Gomorrah. That same God that laid waste nation after nation that rejected God. That same God that laid waste hell and death and the grave, hallelujah. That same God, amen, that resurrected from the grave on the third day, hallelujah, to die no more. That same God, he loves to win. And the scriptures declare it. The scriptures scream it out. God's a winner. He takes first, second, third, and all the rest for himself. Are y'all with me this morning? That's the God that we serve. And it's only, it's only, 
You know, the, the word of God speaks of it so much. The word of God shouts it, screams it. You know, some say the word of God is a little verbose, meaning it's, it's a little wordy. Or some people say, well, I actually heard one guy say this. He said, well, you know, the word of God is written to be hyperbolic. I didn't know what the word hyperbolic meant, so I looked it up in the dictionary. It means to, to be exaggerated or, or, to, or be embellished. And this was a pastor I heard on TV say that. I said, brother, in my heart, I said, man, if I was talking to you, let me tell you something. There are no exaggerations. There's no embellishment. If it's wordy, it's wordy for a reason, amen. If it's hyperbolic, it's hyperbolic for a reason because he's a big God with a big testimony. He wrote it like you should say it. He wrote it like you should believe it. He wrote it because it's true. And there's no hyperbolic to it. It's just his testimony. Of a great God who's, who desires to win, who will win at every time, at every turn. He's destined to win. He doesn't know how to lose. He can't lose. If there was every time he could have lost, it was when he was born to a virgin and he was clothed in sinful flesh and he never sinned. If there was every time he could have actually faltered, he lived perfectly in these same bodies that we are tested and tried and, and, and we fail every single day, every second of every day. And yet Jesus came. He said, I'll don this stuff and I'll show you how to do it right because I'm God Almighty. I win. I don't lose. I can't lose. Are you with me this morning? That's the God we serve. And it serves, and it serves to understand that if He, that's who He is. Amen. That he's called us to be winners as well. I'm just, I'm just telling you a fact. That if God is all winning and he does not lose, he's called you to overcome. And God spoke to my spirit, arm yourself to overcome, son. Because in my heart I was like, Lord, we're losing. My nation is not the nation of my youth. But where is the church? Where is the passion? Where is the concern? Where is the urgency for our communities? Looks like we're losing. God said, arm yourself to overcome. You want to overcome something, you need to arm yourself. I took that heart, the word to, to heart. Overcome what? I want you to turn with me to the uh, book of Ephesians, chapter 6. It's going to be our text this morning. We're going to be all over the word. And it's going to be our text. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. Now, y'all probably, I don't know if y'all understand the church, maybe some of you Bible scholars understand the church of Ephesus. But when we talk about the church of Ephesus, there's, that's just something. That's just something. I mean, here we got the church of Lubbock, right? We got the church of Lubbock, what? Calvary Grace, Lubbock, right? Is that, is that what it is? Calvary Grace? Calvary Chapel, great, uh, Calvary, Calvary Chapel, Lubbock, amen? When you say the church at Ephesus, it brings a smile to Paul the Apostle's face. Because, see, if you go back to the book of Acts, chapter 19, it talks about what's going on in Ephesus. Paul arrives up on the scene in Ephesus, and, and he meets this group of people inside a house, and, and, and they're, all, they're all breaking the, the scriptures, and, and they're all doing what they can to know God. And, and Paul says to him, hey, y'all know about the Holy Spirit? And they say, well, well, well brother, I, we don't even know we... You haven't heard of a Holy Spirit. Scripture says he lays hands on them and boom, they get, they get baptized in, in the power of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues and prophesying. And it says that that, that, that home meeting spills out onto the streets. 
And they begin to prophesy and, and, and teach in the name of Jesus. And people begin to get saved. And there begins to, to, to be all kinds of things happening. And then on the, it doesn't end there. Then these people that are getting saved now, all of a sudden, demons start being cast out. People are starting to get uh, 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 healed. God's moving. There's been a revival in the city of Ephesus. Can I tell you, the city of Lubbock and the city of Amarillo and the cities of the United States, like my brother Joe was talking about, needs a revival for today. This revival didn't come because, because God just miraculously poured out something. This revival came because people were congregating with an urgency on their heart. God, you need to move in us. Have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about the Holy Spirit? Have you heard about what God wants to do in Ephesus? And they have revival on their hand. A breakout. Wouldn't it be amazing if today was a day of the breakout? And we just pray for the dousing of the Holy Spirit. We all got drunk up, amen, in the, in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, spilling out to these streets, preaching the gospel, demons being cast out, people being uh, delivered and healed and saved. If there was ever a time for revival, saints, that time is right now. Some of you might look at me like, really? What are you talking about casting out devils? God still casts out devils. Me and my wife, my son, my daughter, we've been a full-time ministry in New Orleans where there's lots of voodoo, lots of warlocks, lots of... And I tell you what, the business of casting out devils is amazing down there. It's amazing to those who are able to stand in the, in the security of who God is and the security of who he's called you to be and just say, Lord, we go and we know that you're going to anoint. So Paul was in Ephesus and a revival broke out. I mean, a, an absolute needed revival. A revival not without adverse, adversity because then we all know if you read ver, uh, chapter 19 of Acts, talks about people coming against the church and because it's ending the, the worship of Diana and all these things. And God solves it all for the church. That church begins to flourish. The church begins to flourish in a time where it shouldn't. In an area of idolatry where it shouldn't flourish. It, it wasn't a perfect church foot uh, setting. It was probably the worst place to set a church. It was probably the worst demographic to set a church. But God doesn't ever go what man says, amen? In fact, I like to throw demographics out the window. I'm a big Mexican. I praise God, God lets big Mexicans preach. It's not supposed to work, but somehow God makes it work. Because it's not the vessels. It's the fact that you can say, that guy, I don't know who that guy is, but I know who he serves. He serves the Lord Jesus. It's never been about the vessels, ever. It's about who the Lord Jesus is and what he can do through you. So the church of Ephesus, Paul, he founded the church in, in A.D. 54, and he's in prison in A.D. 61. And he's writing the letter of, of, of Ephesus to this church. And he's remembering, he's remembering the, the terrible church plant area. Boy, for, for a maximum of people, we shouldn't have done it there. Or for all this idolatry, that is not the place to have that church. But he remembered how God moved. He remembered the revival. He remembered in his bonds that, that, that there are, there's all kinds of, of junk that they, they suffered, but God was victor through all of it. Amen. So here we're coming in the, the book of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 
chapter 6, verse 10, he's talking to this church that had a revival seven years prior. And he's saying this. He's talking, saints, to a church that was lost in demonic depravity, that was lost in demonic strongholds. And God gave them a revival, and he's writing to them for remembrance and for admonishing them to a truth that all of us can live from today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins and uh, girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen for His Word. I praise God for His Word. So let's break this down a little bit. Here in the verse uh, 12, he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. I talked about it for a second ago that, that there is not so much a physical, but there is a spiritual pandemic that, that we are wrestling with, that we should be wrestling with. But if the truth be told, I really believe the majority of believers try to ignore it. How do I know this? When was the last time you decided to preach the gospel to somebody? When was the last time you had a burden for somebody? When was the last time that you just know God spoke to you? Go talk to that person, but you didn't talk to him. See, there's a terrible pandemic all around us, but we ignore it every single day. Who has that brother that doesn't serve God? His life is getting more and more worse, or a sister, or a niece, or a husband, or a wife. And the longer we know him, the longer we just begin to just stop talking to them. We stop talking about the Lord Jesus. We just start just talking about the weather. Well, God, I know that you'll, you'll talk to him. There's a pandemic and millions are being lost and yet we turn a blind eye, a deaf ear, and a listless heart to a terrible tragedy that's as near as your family member. Sometimes it's your own children. Sometimes it's your own spouse. So he says this. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual struggle. It's struggle. It's against principalities. That word principalities means this. It means beginning a magistrate, a power, a principle, a rule. Or in other words, it's literally the rulership of leaders. We are, we have an adverse, uh, an adversary that is a rulership of leaders. And he says this, but against principalities, against powers, that word powers literally means, uh, physic, uh, it, it means in King James Version, authority, jurisdiction, Liberty, power, right, or strength. But if we want to break it down, it means within the authority of their jurisdiction. In other words, we wrestle 
with the rulership of leaders within the authority of their own jurisdiction. What are you saying, brother? I'm saying this, that if you want to go right into the enemy's camp and go right into their living room and sit yourself down and say, come on. It's exactly what the scripture is saying. It's saying you're right in the middle of who they are, your enemy, and you're setting up shop to sing Jesus as Lord, to declare that God is almighty, to declare that he's the one who rules and reigns, that we wrestle with an enemy, amen, that we are purposely placed right in the middle of the jurisdiction of their power, of their authority, of their influence. I'm here to tell you, saints, I don't know where you live. I don't know where you go from day to day, but I do know this. The second you say Jesus, the second you say Jesus, you're going to get some type of adversarial attack. Because you are no longer in your own home when you're in your own home. You are no longer just just in America. You are in the influence, the jurisdiction of the authority and the power of the enemy that's trying to take you and everybody else out. That's just the truth. I didn't say it. Ephesians 6 did. Paul the Apostle said it. He's, he founded our church in the middle of this God-forsaken emphasis that was full of idolatry. And he put us right in the middle of a jurisdiction of rulers and their authority. But God turned it around for his good. There's no way around it. You can deny it. You can hope it's not the truth. You can hide yourself by not saying the name of Jesus. But eventually, to be a count as saint of God in a way worse generation, amen, saints, it's going to catch up to you because you're in the middle of the enemy's camp, period. It goes on to say this, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, that, that whole phrase is a reference to Satan, that he runs it all. Against spiritual wickedness in high places, or in other words, demonic rebellion against all that is God. America is no longer the America that we once knew. I'm sure that's no newsflash for who you are in this room. I truly believe our next election is going to decide the fate of our nation. I truly believe we are living in the last days, saints. I truly believe that in the great nation of America, one day you can see the greatest persecution that Christians have ever experienced. I pray and I pray and I hope to the Lord that is far off in the future after the, after the rapture. But something in me is telling me to arm myself to overcome. Because we are messing around with something that is not dangerous. We're messing around with something that's not physical, but it's spiritual. It's prevalent. It's everywhere. And you're right in the middle of it. It shouldn't come as a surprise to a believer if you understand the struggle and you're fixated on the victory. Let me say it again. It shouldn't come as a surprise to a believer if you understand the struggle and are fixated on the what? Say it with me. Victory. Say it with me. Victory. Through all of this junk, there's a victory, amen? Arm yourself to overcome, hallelujah. There is a victory, but you got to be fixated on it. you got to live for it, amen? you got to do according towards the end of victory. Victory always has a struggle. Victory always has an uh, adversity to walk through, to go through. 
The victory belongs to the Lord. The problem is with the church, saints, and I'm not talking about Lubbock specifically. Church, universally, is that we've become too comfortable. We've become too fixated on the things of this world. We've made a home where we shouldn't have made home. We've grown roots where we shouldn't have grown roots. Scripture says that we are, we are aliens just walking through. That this isn't our home. That we got a home, hallelujah, not made with man's hands. It's an eternal home, hallelujah, made by Almighty God for an eternal church of God, the bride of Christ. I know, I know about the 401ks. I know about the, the savings accounts and then the, and all the toys and the boats and the, the jet skis. I know about all these things that we work and we strive for. I'm not saying it's bad to have those things. What I am saying is that's the scope of your living. If that's all that you have eyes for, something's wrong. You become fixated on the things of this world. It's become a dazzle in front of your eyes. And you've lost the urgency for the moment. Which in turn has turned the church universally blind, deaf, and passionless to the things of God. They've lost the whole point altogether. If I could just internalize this, I've lost the whole point altogether. I've been blind. I've been deaf. I've been passionless. Because you know what? You know someone's passion by what they spend their time doing. Let me ask you, what do you spend your time doing every day? All of us, if we, I realize now that our YouTube is really kind of tells on us, right? You know, now people coming over like, hey, what are you doing watching this? Or what's that? What do you got? What's on your YouTube station? What's on, you know, what have you been fulfilling your time with? Is it the, the passion of Almighty God? Or is it just the junk of this world? Because saying we've been called. As a, as a body of Christ, we've been called to an extravaganza like never before. We've been called, amen, to a fight of the ages, amen. And God's not choosing some other great, you know, entity or some other great angelic force. He's called the church of God to rise up, amen, to be counted for and to rise up in the ranks of the army of God and to do what only God can do, have victory over the darkness of this age, period. That's what you bought into when you got saved. When you said, Jesus, I need you and come and fill my life, you got adopted into the church of God, into the army of the Lord. I don't believe there's any potato peelers in the army of the Lord. I believe that every single person is an, is, is, is a man and a woman of war. A man and woman of war to do battle in the army of the Lord. And if you're a man and woman of war, then you have to have the, the, the utensils and then the, and the, and, and, and the armada and, and all the, the things that God's given us to do battle with. He's equipped us. So we know about, we know about the adversary. Let's talk about the believer. How can we overcome such an imposing adversary that is spiritual when we are so physical. Turn with me real quick to second, second, uh, Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Paul the apostle is writing. In fact, he's writing to a church that he visited before Ephesus, the church at Corinth. And he's writing them here also in bonds. 
And he's telling them along the same lines, he says this. At verse 3, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're physical, we do not war after the flesh. Are y'all with me? It's so important, saints, that you understand you're not at war with flesh. Even more important, it's so important that you don't align yourself with flesh. Listen up, especially right now in this season. I understand one person might be this, one person might be that. We may vote this, we may vote that. But as a believer, we've got to be careful that we're not this or that. We're with God. See, man's influence is man's influence. But we've got to be settled on the heart of the Lord. We've got to be settled on the things that belong, that, that God understands and, and that God would have us to understand are his passion. We can't side with flesh. We've got to side with Almighty God. We've got to be clear-headed to, to receive from God. Because the problem is once you say, I'm this, then you've got to identify yourself with that. Are you coming with me? But when you say, I'm neither, I'm with God. Then there is, then you can clear-mindedly do what God's called you to do, speak what God's called you to speak. Because if you identify yourself with men, with women, with this party or that party, it gets mucky quick. Because men are fallen, ideals are fallen, philosophies are fallen, but God is true, He is true all the time, and He's good all the time, and He will never fail you, amen? So it says, for we though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want you to say that mighty to God, through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. One more time. Mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, before I go on, we're going to talk about the weapons of our warfare. God speaking, saying, arm yourselves to overcome. There's a victory that's going to be had, but you have to arm yourself with what he's given us. But before we talk about that, I want to say this. No matter what he's given you, saints, if you are a carnal believer, if you're someone who is fleshly in your thinking, if you're someone who is just carnally minded, I'm about to make a statement that is so true, but it's hard to hear then you have absolutely no use for the kingdom of heaven in these last days. Let me double down on that. If you are a carnal believer, you are absolutely of no use to the kingdom of heaven in these last days. Brother, you better show me chapter and verse on that one. I'm going to show you chapter and verse on that one. Turn with me real quick to Romans chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 5. We're talking about a pandemic that's spiritual. And God's called us to arm ourselves with the weapons that are spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. But a believer that's carnal, the question is, what's carnal? Let's read on. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says this, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... For to be carnally minded is what? Is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I love that. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Do you know what that word enmity means? That word enmity literally means hostility towards the things of God. 
Or that word enmity means to, to be, have a hatred for the things of God. In other words, someone who says, I'm a Christian, someone who goes to church on Wednesdays and Sundays, someone who reads their Bible, but only when people are watching, the rest of the time is growing dust because they're carnally minded. Let me go on real quick. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then that are in the flesh cannot please God. A, a, a carnal mind that's enmity towards God hates the things of God. Well, you're asking yourself, well, what's the carnal mind, brother? What is that? A carnal mind is someone that loves everything else, that fills their time up with everything else, that desires everything else but the things of God. A carnal mind wants to fulfill all that they can see, all that they can hear, all that they can speak, all that they can associate themselves with, with the things of this world, and they do not desire anything of God. They want the name, they want the affiliation, but they don't want the spiritual death of their old life and the newness of Christ to walk in the things of God. That's a carnal mind. And here the scripture says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, as the believers, we've got, we wrestle with this all the time. I'm, I've been saved since I was eight. I was four, I'm 48 now. And next month I'll be 48. Been saved since I was eight years old. And I love reading God's word, but sometimes I get in a rut, you know? From, for some reason or another, I get out of God's word and maybe a week and, it's like the next, the next week, I'm, 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 I find myself, all right, let me, I'm going to get back in the Word. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, you know what? Let me try something else. Any of y'all do that? Or you're going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to become prayer. Okay. You, you decide to set, you know, when I, right when I wake up and don't pray. Watch out for COVID because now that we're not coming to church, we have an excuse. But what if this thing lifts? How many people are going to say, you know what? You know, why do we need to go to church, honestly? What's happening there, saints, is there's this other nature in my members working that when I would to do good, there's something present with me that it wants to do the actual opposite. It has a hatred, has a hostility towards the things of God. That's what we're called to battle, amen? We're called to arm ourselves against that nature. That nature, Scripture says, that it cannot, cannot serve the things of God. That nature, when Scripture says, that don't you know that, hallelujah, this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. Hallelujah. And one day, this thing that cannot serve God ain't going to have a choice but serve the Lord in a glorified body. Hallelujah. But until that day, there's got to be a struggle. There's got to be a choice. There's got to be a line drawn in the sand today and here on after. I'm going to serve the Lord. I desire the things of God. I want to fill up my eyes, my ears, and my heart with the things of God to be, have a passion for the things of God. It's got to be a, a fight. Sometimes just a minute by minute fight. I'm going to serve God and nothing else. Period. The problem is no one's fighting anymore. It hasn't been, it's not popular to fight anymore. Actually, it's popular just to do whatever you want to do. God's the God of mercy. He understands. We're but dust. Dust filled and empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and it will quicken, hallelujah, your mortal body. 
Hallelujah. So I don't know if I'm talking to somebody here. If that's you, if you're just a carnally minded individual, you like to go to carnal places, you like to drink on the weekend, you like to smoke a little this or do a little that or excuse my French, this kind of language. I'm here to tell you it's time to drop that junk. It's time to repent. It's time to say, God, I'm with you and you all the way. Lord, come into my heart. Cleanse me. Scripture says, though your sins be red as scarlet, I will make them white as wool. So if you need to repent, and repentance is an awesome word. I repent every single day. Repentance is a brand new beginning. It's a fresh start. When you repent, God forgives you as if though you never sinned. Don't ever let anyone tell you that repentance is a bad word. It's the best word a believer knows. It makes him one with God every time he says, God, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for lowering the bar in my life. Forgive me for lowering my bar as a husband, Lord God, in my household and not directing our family towards righteousness, but towards this junk, Lord. Forgive me for being a son, Lord God, not living as you've called me to live. Forgive me for being a wife, Lord God, and filling my day with this and that. God forgives and he empowers Gives you a new start to live as a church of God, as he purposed for you to live. Not only to dwell, but to have victory in the time of adversity. Because he's saying, arm yourself to overcome. But the carnal mind is defenseless because it can't arm itself. You're the first casualty in war. You're like, brother, are you crazy? I'm not, but I'm just excited about what God is going to do. So excuse me, I should have warned y'all I'm a screamer, but I love you guys. God loves us. I'm not, please don't hear that, that, you know, he's, he's disappointed with us. He's not, but a carnal mind is useless for what we're in, what we as a church of God have to do business with. So we talked about for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. That word weapons literally means an arsenal. It's an array of resources available for a certain purpose. That weapons of our warfare, that warfare is military service. Each one of us have been, have been baptized into military service. I'm, I'm here to tell you, I don't care if you're five foot two, 125 wet. I'm here to tell you, God has assigned you a mission in this life of war, spiritual warfare to conduct where you stand. How you live, how you speak, how you represent the God in this world. God in this world. He has defined you as a warrior of the, of the army of God. It says, the scripture says, for the weapons of war, warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. That word mighty means powerfully capable. We have given an arsenal that is powerfully capable, mighty through God, to the what? I'll say this with me. Pulling down of strongholds. Do y'all know what a stronghold is? Anybody know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is something that the enemy or an enemy raises up. They want it to be impenetrable. They want it to be high. They want it to be thick. They want it to be as something when an enemy looks at it, it's like that's impossible to go over. A stronghold is something where the enemy has an attacking force. They can go behind it and say, we're safe. But scripture tells me that every single believer, hallelujah, that puts away a carnal mind, amen, and says, I'm here to fight enlisted in the army of God. He would carry an arsenal 
that's great and mighty, powerfully capable to pulling down those safe keeps of the enemy. Y'all ain't listening to me because there's something profound being saying in God's word for you and for me. For you, little missy, for me, little mister, there's something profound being said here. You see, we walk around in life thinking we're powerless. We walk around in life thinking it's hopeless. That's exactly what the enemy would have you speak, but our warfare is not carnal. No matter what you see, amen, no matter what you hear, no matter what someone else says to you, it's not the report of the enemy. It's what God has said, what God has assigned, and his ability to pull down strongholds. To pull down strongholds. To take it down one believer at a time. It's his business, God's business, to pull down strongholds. That word pulling down literally means to totally annihilate to extinction strongholds let me get back to the text here it's saying for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God in a believer's life to the pulling down to a totally annihilate to extinction extinction the strongholds of the enemy I should hear the biggest amen ever right there because all of us complain that, you know, they're, they're taking God out of schools or they're taking this or they're raising this. I've even seen the satanic church trying to get their, their statue of a goat-headed guy with children, you know, in the White House. We get angry, but Scripture says if you arm yourself, a, a, script, a believer that's armed properly, aimed, amen, at the specific place, He is set off to go for maximum and optimum devastation of the kingdom of darkness. That's what the scripture is saying. That when you're wearing it right, amen, and you're toting it right, you're doing it right, God's points you in a certain place when he says go, and you go off, then you, then you go and you combust, amen, for maximum devastation, pulling down, annihilation of strongholds. That's not my words. That's Paul the Apostle's words by unction of the Holy Spirit to the church at Corinth. That's who you are in the, in the, in, in the army of God. That's who you are, mother, that feels hopeless for your children in the army of God. That's who you are, wife, hopeless for your husband, or husband, hopeless for your wife in the army of God. The fact of the matter is that you're a history maker. You're a world shaker, amen. You are something God can use, amen, that will pull down strongholds daily. If you just understand that and you walk in that, and you say, here am I, God. So what are these weapons for, amen? That's a, that's a good question. Why are we, why are these mass devastations of darkness? Why is God, you know, armed, uh, you know, Simple people with such an arsenal. Let's go back to our text, Ephesians chapter 6. He talks about putting on the whole armor of God in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So what is this armor? What is, you know, the, the armor that we talk about? What is this, you know, breastplate of righteousness and this, this helmet of salvation, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospels and, 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 and the, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. What are these things? Have you even, if y'all asked that question, you know, what does that look for? I've heard so much teaching on it. And I praise God. It's great teaching. 
talks about righteousness and faith and what all those things are. But how does a believer equip himself with those things? Is there some kind of special phrase we say? Is there a, is there a special prayer? Is there a special class we attend? And, and after we attend it, we write down our name, and it's, it's stamped with a notoriety, and we're saying, well, now we're armored in the army of the Lord. What is the armor? What is What are we talking about that's able to tear down strongholds of darkness in a believer's life? Turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 12. Paul the Apostle is writing again in the book of Romans. And he says this, talking about what the armor is. He says, what the night is far spent, the day is at hand. I love that. The night is far spent. In other words, at the darkest moment at night, if you ever thought there was a dark time in, in life, that time is right now. Spiritually speaking, we have the darkest time possible. But it's just about to get dawn. Amen? We're just about to get the dawn time coming. We're just about to get the light coming. He's saying this, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on what? The what? Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly. Hallelujah. As in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness like everybody else is this day. Not in chambering and wantonness. Not in strife and envying. But put ye on what? The Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So he says, put on the armor of light. That word put on literally means to sink into a garment. You know what I'm talking about? I know everyone does. You know, for those of you who have that pair of jeans that fits just right, perfectly, fits you just like a glove, and, and you know, you, you, you got other jeans you have to wear, and so you're wearing them, and all day long you're like, I wish I was in my other jeans. But on Wednesday, when you know they're going to be ironed, and you finally get that jean, you put it on, and you're like, oh, yeah, baby. Yeah! You feel like you're 10 feet tall. You feel like you, you look better than Brad Pitt. For you women, it might be a, a, a dress or, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. That garment that you just know that it suits you well. For a believer, saints, when you put on, when you put on the armor of light, you just sink into it. And it's just... It clothes you. It, it's something that naturally comes on to you. It's something that, that naturally, it just, it, it just fits in you like, like, like a glove, spiritually speaking. And it, it feels like an old friend come back to you. And it says, he goes on to say, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying the same thing. Slide right back into that garment of Christ Jesus. I love, I love the apostle Paul. He says in the book of Galatians, verse two, he says, or chapter two, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which now I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I'm here to tell you, saints, the armor of light, hallelujah, all that we're talking about, the weapons of our warfare that are devastation to darkness, amen, all of it is Christ Jesus. All of it is who is, is the work of the cross. When he died and said, and he, and he said it is finished. It was a complete work. When he resurrected, amen, he defeated hell in the grave. Now that same power, amen, that raised Christ from the dead is now for every single believer who puts on Christ and says, here am I, God. 
You see, in, the, in, in, in putting on Christ, you put on the work of the cross. In the work of the cross, there's no more addiction, amen? In the work of the cross, there's no more fear. There's no more depression. There's no more anxiety. There's no procrastination. There's no more self-loathing. There's no more shame. There's no more uh, uh, con- condemnation in the Lord Jesus. At the work of the cross put on as, as, as that new garment for a believer in Christ Jesus, everything else takes second place. There is, there is a restore. There is a restoration. There is a newness of life for a believer putting on Christ Jesus. Period. And lastly, when you put on Christ Jesus, there's no more excuses. Period. The cross is a complete work of redemption and restoration. The cross is the greatest work of devastation upon the works of darkness. When you put on Christ, saying you are walking time bomb, a walking weapon of mass destruction for the kingdom of darkness. When you walk around right in the middle of the rulership of darkness, God is utilizing you to bring down strongholds. There is no reason why our communities should feel like they're trapped in darkness when they have a light all the way around. The question is, saints, have you put on Christ today? Because if you put on Christ, it looks like something. It sounds like something. There, it, you can't, you, you can't counterfeit it, amen? When you put on true Christ, amen, then it looks and sounds like something and it's not you. It's not who you are in your flesh. It's not how you think in your mind. When you put on Christ Jesus, it looks and sounds like Jesus. One pastor told me like this, when you see it like he saw it, then you'll do it like he did it. It says that he saw them scattered on the hillside like sheep having no shepherd. And he fed them, the 5,000. He healed them. He set them free. He delivered them from darkness. He delivered from them from demonic depression, demonic bondage. When you're put on Christ Jesus, it sounds and looks a lot like this. Turn with me real quick to 2 Peter. <clears throat> Anybody receive anything tonight, today? It's 2 Peter chapter 1. When you put on Christ Jesus, the weapons of our warfare, sounds like this. Verse 2 says, grace 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto all us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Listen to that. All things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. Listen up. Whereby are given unto us exceeding and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of what? The divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the, in the world through, through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence. Listen to this. This is it. This is what it looks like to be, to be clothed in Christ. Add to your faith virtue, truthfulness, honesty. And to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge of who the Lord Jesus is in his word. And to knowledge, temperance, self-control, amen? Self-control of outrage, self-control of, of temperament, self-control of, of physically fighting, self-control of, 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 of being a man of God of peace. And, and to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Show me a believer who's not kind 
I'll show you a believer who's devoid of the weapons of God. Because putting on Jesus, there's kindness in your words. There's kindness in your ways. It says this, And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For these things be in you and abound. They make you that you shall neither be barren. That word barren literally means lazy. Lazy in the things of God. Nor fruitful. That's just simply, you got nothing to show for it. If you're not walking in, if you're not walking Christ's clothes, then you're literally unfruitful. You got no fruit to show for your work. And you're lazy in the gospel. I didn't say it. The word of God says it. They make, it says this, for these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be lazy nor fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he, listen up, who lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So if you want to, if we want, if we want to ask ourselves, what does it look like to be clothed in Christ? It looks like humility. It looks like mercy. It looks like love. We're devastating darkness, but we're sheep among wolves. That's the way Jesus did it. He literally laid himself out as a baby, powerless to protect himself in a world of wolves. And when he grew up to be a, a man, he was a sheep slain from the foundation, a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth among wolves, gave his life to show this world love. And he's called every single believer here, not only to devastate darkness, but to do it in the most uncanny way, because God's math never adds up like ours. Not to do it with a harsh face or fingers in people's faces, but to do it with love and a smile, amen, and the greatest patience and brotherly kindness this world has ever seen. The true devastation of darkness comes with Christ-like mannerisms on a believer's life, amen, who's dedicated his life to the things of God, showing forth Christ and him all of his love, all of his patience, all of his mercy. Devastating the darkness. Sheep among wolves is what we're called to be today. We should be overflowing of the fruit of the Spirit. And in that, saints, you see, you don't have to worry about the wolves. You don't. Because we have a shepherd that takes care of them for us. So if you want to make a difference in this world, if you want to make a difference in the pandemic of COVID-19, if you want to make a difference, saints, in your neighborhood, in this church, in your family, if you want to make a difference, especially now, arm yourself to overcome. Some people might, you might ask me, well, brother, how do we arm ourselves? Now, I've got one really good answer for you. Never take him off. Never take off Jesus. Never you know, always stay in your word. Always stay in prayer. Always stay in close proximity to who the Lord is. I love my wife for many, many reasons. One of the reasons why I love her is because when I start getting kind of cold or I start getting kind of uh, lazy or I get start getting kind of, you know, I like this, you know, because I love like boxing and MMA and, you know, fishing. And I, I can really lose myself in this stuff. And my wife, she really watched me all the time. Always taking my spiritual temperature. And she'll say, you need to get in the word. You need to get in prayer. Hey, when was the last time, you know, I love my wife because she does that. And she keeps me in check. But guess what? I get to do it to her when I see her, you know, getting a little cold or, or her getting upset. I'll say, hey, you need to get in your word. You need to start praying. And let me tell you, saints, and let me, let me tell you, each one here, we are a brother's keeper. 
When you see a brother or a sister going off, off the pasture, you need to bring them back in. With love, you know, with a, sometimes a rebuke, sometimes just lasso those guys and say, get back in here. We need to watch out for one another because times are growing very, very dangerous. Not only spiritually, but physically. We need to be, be we need to be about God's business. We need to be clothed in Christ Jesus, armed to the teeth to devastate darkness and to love this world to our death. It should be, if it should down, come down to that or until his return, saints. That's what's going to change the world. That's what's going to give you a breakthrough in your life. Cause I don't know about you. I need a breakthrough in my life. I do. And I just believe that with every single believer, a breakthrough looks like a breakthrough for everyone around you. Let me say that again. For every single believer, saints, a breakthrough for you is a breakthrough for everyone around you. You don't understand the scope that God works on in your life. You are very integral to the victory God wants to do in this age. And it's going to affect your children. Sometimes your children's children. Sometimes their friends. Sometimes their teachers. Sometimes the gas person on the block. A victory and a breakthrough for your life will meet the victory and a breakthrough for people all around you. And it's a maximum devastation of darkness. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much. That your word, Lord God, is amazing. That your word and the promises of, of it are just absolutely blow our minds, Lord God. Father, it's hard to, to understand that you would call a bunch of nobodies, Lord God, a bunch of uneducated folk, Lord God, Lord, to a place that you want to do great and mighty things, Lord, in, in, in a very terrible day that we live in. But Lord, I know that it's true. I pray that you put it, Lord God, these words and, and, and Lord, even these facts, Lord, of your word into these hearts. But Father, Lord, we don't want to be a carnal believer. We don't want to be a church that's naked and destitute and don't know it, Lord God. We don't want to be a church that's neither hot nor cold, but become lukewarm, Father. We want to be, we want to be smoking hot for you, Jesus. We don't want to be spewed out of your mouth. We want to be smoking hot for you, Lord, in these last days. So Lord, I don't know who I'm talking to here this morning. For someone listening, Lord God, online or wherever it may be. But I do know this, Lord God, that, Lord, you're not one, Lord, to judge us according to our sins. But, Lord, you're slow to anger and you're quick to forgive. So, Lord, I just speak to that one, Lord God, that may be listening online, Father, saying, how do I get back? How can I ever get back after all that I've done? Well, I pray that you show that individual. This is as close as the mention of your name. Lord, that you so desperately want people to come back. You so desperately want people who are carnal believers, filled with their own things, Lord God, to come back and to have their love renewed in you, Jesus. Lord, for every believer, Father, that just thinks it's an impossible situation, that there is no victory, Lord, show them that it's the lie of the devil. And Lord, if every believer believes it, that's exactly what he wants. Lord, it's just the opposite. You're, Lord, you're declaring with authority for your church to arm themselves, Father. To arm themselves for a victory that's sure to come, Lord God. 
Because it's not in our strength, it's not in our ability, it's not in our authority, but it's all the ability and strength, Lord God, that you have done on the cross for us, now in us. Lord God, until your return, Lord God. So Lord, I pray that you would renew strength, Lord God, that you would restore hearts, that you would bind up the brokenhearted, Father. Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, just cause uh, a renewed vigor, spiritual vigor, Lord God, for those who have been in the fight for a long time and have decided to discard their enemies, their 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 their, their armaments, Lord God, and, and just kind of sit down. Lord, I pray that you renew them again, Lord. Would you show them now is not the time to quit. Now is the time to run on. Now is the time to, to rise up with wings of eagles. Now is the time to run on and faint not, Lord God. Father, we'll be a church careful to hear your words, and to apply it to our lives, Lord God. We'll be a church, Lord God, careful. Lord God, to see ourselves as you've seen us, devastating darkness, sheep among wolves, loving this world as you loved it until you come. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity we have to be salt and light, Lord, in a very dark time, because we know that that victory, Father, is living, is being played out every day. We want to be part of that, Lord God. We want to see the restoration in our neighborhoods. We want to see the restoration in our nation. We want to see the restoration of the church rising up and being in the church, Lord God. Thank you so much for these people. Thank you so much for this service. Be with us as we go to our prospective places. Lord God, be with Pastor Ben, ben Lord, and anoint him and Lord, give him just a, a sweet time, Lord God, with his family and Lord, and Lord, I pray, I, we praise you for, for uh, his testimony and the man of God that he is and this house that he's raised, Lord, for you and good stewardship. Lord, be with him. Anoint him. Anoint everyone here, Father, as they go. In the name of Jesus, all the saints of God said, amen. Thank you all so much for your time. Thank you for receiving us. You guys are a blessing. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.